Hello, and welcome to Meditations from Middle Earth. My name is Strider, and I'm a Christian worker here in where I call Middle Earth. We love to meditate on God's Word, and He's given us so many unique and rich experiences here in Middle Earth, and I'd like to share those insights with you here on Meditations from Middle Earth. I have had a real strong desire to teach on the fruit of the Spirit. I believe that when we talk about eternity, when we talk about uh, Jesus, for instance, giving the parable of the um, unjust steward, of the dishonest manager, he's, he's talking about the people of the world being wise enough to prepare for what's coming, but his own children... Uh, spiritual people are not prepared for what's coming. That's That was his point in those parables. And when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, this is the, the fruit that the Spirit of God gives to each one of us. And what are we going to take into eternity with us? Uh, the only thing that's going to last forever is that which God has created to last forever. The souls of men and women are going to last forever because he created them to be eternal. And our, it is our soul, our spirit, that, ref, that receives this fruit of the spirit. And that then becomes the thing that we should be banking on. If we save up treasure where moth and rust destroy and corrupt... Yeah, that's that's not of, of no eternal value. But if we store up the fruit of the Spirit, then this has eternal value. This is something we can take with us because it's the Spirit's fruit. And, and when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we get that phrase from Galatians 5 and verse 22. He's talking about uh, the ways that we can live our life that are just the works of the flesh and all the horrible things that we can do and the sin and the unrighteousness that we can get involved in. But he says these things aren't headed for the kingdom. Uh, The kingdom of God is something else. And then he says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So we can see the passions and desires, they're not eternal. We're crucifying those things and the things that are eternal, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And it's not fruits of the Spirit, I want uh, to, to note. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's one fruit, and that fruit, uh, the, uh, the fruit of something, um, if, if a tree bears fruit or a bush has you know, berries or some kind of fruit on it, then those, what's contained in that fruit is the seed. And those seeds grow to reproduce the tree, right? So the fruit is, is the offspring of the Spirit. So what's the offspring of the Spirit? The Spirit is, you know, God is love. So the fruit of the Spirit is going to be love. Uh, 
and all these other things as well. And all these words, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, these things all describe the fruit. And so I want us to begin looking at each one of these words that's used to describe the fruit. And today we're going to look at love. What is love? You know, God is love. Okay. As we look at love and try to come up with what it is, we immediately become quite confused. In fact, we're always trying to change our definition of love to fit the circumstances that are around us. You know, so for instance, I love my wife. I love God. I also love my dog and I love ice cream. Um, it's really inappropriate, I think, somehow to use the same word for ice cream and the love of God. You know, to say, you know, I love my car, and then to also say I love my wife, this seems really demeaning to my wife, doesn't it? It's, uh, what does love mean in that context? What is that? What are we talking about here? And so, uh, a lot of guys today. You know, if you look at the popular news and, and you look out there into the world and you see people using the word love, but then they do terrible things in the name of love, don't they? And we know, well, wow, that's, that's not love. That's not love at all. And, and people do the same thing with God, by the way. So I can be standing in a village and they can be telling me about uh, their lack of food, their lack of health care the fact that their children are sick, the fact that their crops are not doing well, the fact that um, there's so many difficulties and trials and struggles in their life. And then uh, the mullah comes along and he says, God is kind. And everybody just shuts up. Yes, yes, God is very kind. Well, we know God is kind. But what he's trying to tell them is that in the kindness of, you guys just be thankful because in the kindness of God, that's why your child's sick. That's why you don't have enough food. That's why life is so darn hard. And that's just not true. God's kindness doesn't mean that he wants your child to be sick. God's kindness doesn't mean all these terrible things. Quit trying to redefine the word kind so it fits God. We know that God is kind. We know that all these other terrible things are happening in the world. How do we reconcile that? And too often what we do is we try to redefine love. And we need not to redefine love. And we need not, need not to redefine God. What we need to redefine is our circumstance. Why is life so difficult? Why are we such in a terrible state? And that really is a subject, a whole other subject for another uh, podcast. But to say quickly, what we need to see is that this world is at war. Terrible things happen and life is terribly difficult because we're at war. And the reason that we're at war is because we're the ones who rebelled against our maker. So the reason this world's in a difficult spot is because we put it there. We're the ones who took the authority that God gave us. He gave us authority over the world. And then we took that authority and we gave it to the enemy. We gave it to Satan when we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so we're the ones who did this to the earth. All right. So let's not try to redefine what love means and let's not try to redefine what God is. Let's, let's, let's look at the situation and say, honestly, okay, the reason this world stinks is because 
we made it stink. All right, We are the ones who turned it over to the evil one for him to abuse and kill and destroy. So with that out of the way, what does love mean then? If God is love and I'm supposed to be loving, what is it that I'm supposed to be? And of course, the Bible gives us one of the most beautiful chapters in the whole book. is right here in 1 Corinthians 13 where it talks about what love is. He begins the chapter by saying that if he doesn't have love, he's nothing. Even, you know, he says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So he's saying, look, without love, all your actions, all the things you can do, all the amazing uh, abilities you might have, these are really meaningless without love. So once again, we have to ask the question, so what is it? What is this love? What, what does it mean to love? First of all, I, I want to say a quote that has meant a lot to me through the year and that uh, love is an action not an emotion it's it's an action it's something you do and sometimes people just don't feel in love anymore and they don't feel love but when we read these verses here on four through um four through eight we're not going to be looking at things that we feel we're looking at things that we do and so that's very important to understand about love. Love is an action, not an emotion. And verse 4 says that love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So here's all the things that love does. We begin with love is patient and kind. Right away, here's the patient word. This is a word that we don't like very much. But what does it mean to be patient? It means that we're not in a hurry. We're not demanding things on our time schedule. Really, I, th I find that patience requires a tremendous amount of faith. If I don't have faith, then I believe that I have to make something happen right now. If I wait, then uh, I, it all could be lost. I need to do something. I need to be moving. I need to be talking. I need to be acting right now. And I need the thing that I need now. But love is not that way. Love is patient. It can wait. Love has faith that God is moving. And therefore, it's not in a hurry. Love knows that good is coming, that God is moving. The change that you would like to see happen in somebody else is coming. The change that you would like to see happen in yourself is coming. We have faith that God is on the move. 
and therefore we can be patient. And when things don't go our way, we don't have to manipulate and make it happen ourselves, but we can wait. And therefore we can be kind. We don't have to run around yelling at everybody else. Because without our yelling, you know, unless I had yelled, unless I had cajoled, unless I had manipulated, nothing would have happened. And that's simply not true. God is moving in this world. And he has something for us to be doing. But we never have to be anything but patient and kind. We never have to manipulate. We never have to control. We never have to push or move things in our timetable and on our schedule and in our way, in our fashion. No, love can wait on God to move. And that's very, very hard for us to hear in this day and age. And yet, that's what love is. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. So, If I have the faith then to look to the God of love and to know that he's moving in his time and that he is very kind and loving to me, then love doesn't have to envy. I don't have to look over at the guy next door and think, why does he get that thing and I don't get that thing? Why does he get to do and I don't get to do? Why does he get his way and I don't get my way? I want the things that he has. I want the life that he leads. I want all the all the opportunities and the gifts and the abilities and the talent. All this I envy and wish that I had those things. No, that's not love at all. Love does not envy those things. Love rejoices that other people has those things, and it doesn't boast. So not only am I not envious of the other guy, but I'm not boasting to the other guy about all the good things that I have and all the wonderful abilities that I can do. Why? Because when I'm boasting, I'm trying to get people to build me up. I can't wait for the Father to build me up. I can't wait for Jesus to come and rescue me. I don't find my value as a son of God. No, I need other people to build me up and lift me up and stroke my ego. And therefore, I must tell them how wonderful I am and all the really cool things that I've done. Love is not like this. Because love has faith in the God who is love and he will lift you up. If you will just be humbled, he'll lift you up. As you're going through your life and you believe that you need the benefit of somebody else's help and therefore you need to convince them that you're worthy of helping and you'll be tempted to boast about your ability, your talent, what you think you can do and why they should invest in you. And this is not love because this is faithlessness. Love is never faithless. Love believes that God is on the move that he will lift you up in due time, that he will get you the things that you need, and that your identity in him is all you need, because you are, in fact, a child of the living God. And therefore, love does not envy, and it doesn't boast. It is not arrogant or rude. As we continue down this progression of patient, kind, envy, boast, arrogant, rude, You can see you're just going from a little impatience 
all the way down to being rude to other people and arrogant. And all of this is a way of building yourself up. At the end of the day, Jesus tells us, shows us how to be love. We say God is love. Then Jesus says, you want to know what the Father is like? Look at me. And what does Jesus do? Philippians chapter 2. Though he was not wrong to consider himself equal with God, still he emptied himself completely. Became like us, a simple, humble man, and then died a horrible, horrible death on a cross. But his sacrifice wasn't only his death on the cross. His sacrifice began at birth. He becomes a baby. He has to learn how to talk. He has to learn how to walk. He gets a cold. He suffers all the same childhood things that first century children suffered. And he's humble. And he's not valued. He's just a carpenter's son. And his brothers, even at the point that he was doing miracles and beginning to teach, his brothers did not believe him. He was not honored in his hometown. He was dishonored everywhere he went. And at the end of his life, after healing thousands, after teaching so many, after giving hope to so many, the crowds shouted, crucify him. Now, this is the opposite of arrogant and rude. This is humble. In humility, he bows down to the will of the Father. He doesn't insist on his own way, verse 5. So rather than being arrogant and rude, which is what you and I might do with the kind of power that Jesus had, we'd, we'd show everybody, wouldn't we? We'd fix this broken world. We'd tell them, we'd give them what for. We'd take matters into our own hands. With power and control and manipulation, we would have our own way, demand our own way. And wouldn't our own way be better than this world is? And the answer to that is no, it would not. Because man having his own way is exactly what's put this world in the position that it's in. And it was Jesus coming as a baby, dying on a cross as a criminal, that demonstrates to us what love really is. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. And it doesn't insist on its own way. Can you hear that? Doesn't insist on its own way? But what if I'm right? Shouldn't I insist on my way if I'm right? And love calls out and says, No, you shouldn't. (laughs) Don't insist on your own way, even when you're right. And when you don't get your own way, continue in verse 5, love is not irritable or resentful. See, a lot of us are willing to take the humble path. We'll go ahead, all right, you know what? You want to insist on your way? I'll bow down. I'll go ahead and make the sacrifice and allow you to take the lead as long as everybody knows that's what I'm doing. Yeah, that's not irritable or resentful, is it? No. Not only do we not be arrogant or rude, not only do we not insist on our own way, but we don't even resent it after we've given up our way, after we've given up the way that we knew was right. We're not irritable and we're not resentful. And when everything goes wrong, For those crazy people who didn't listen to us, verse 6 says, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. 
So when bad things happen to people who aren't smart enough to listen to us, we don't say, I told you so, and we don't condemn them, and we don't rejoice because everything went wrong for them. No, we don't rejoice at wrongdoing. We rejoice with the truth, the truth that God loves us all. And verse 7, and this is where I really want to bring it home because this is so important. Paul is waxing eloquent right here, and here's the height of love. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love bears all things. Can you do that? The Son of God did that. He did that on the cross. Say, okay, well, you know what? Jesus can do that, but I don't do that. No, 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 no. We are followers of Jesus. And we are called to live a life of love even as we follow love himself. So if he bore all things, guess what? You are called to bear all things. Well, yeah, but that guy has pushed me too far. I gave him a chance, and now he doesn't get any more chances. Oh, how many times did he sin against you? Seven times? Or seven times 77? What did Jesus say to Peter about that? Forgive him one more time. And come on, unless you're very much better of a person than I am, Jesus has forgiven you many more times than seven times 77. He's certainly forgiven me many more times than that. No, I have pushed his patience to the limit, surely. And yet even at the limit, he has forgiven me. He's loved me. He's taken me to his side one more time. He's called me into his labors, into his work, into bringing his kingdom to, from heaven to earth one more time. Even though I've sinned against him, been faithless one more time, he is faithful one more time. This is love. And this is the love that we are called to. To forgive others as God in Christ has forgiven us. And how did he forgive us? You see, we do this all the time, don't we? we again, we're cha- we change the definitions. Oh, okay, I forgive that person. Oh, absolutely, I forgive that person. But I'm not going to forget. Oh, I forgive that person, but of course I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. Well, how did God in Christ forgive us? Oh, he forgave me and then called me alongside of himself to serve with him one more time. Wow. Do I forgive others like that? To not only say, eh, that thing you did, I'll let that go. I'm big enough to let that go. Look how big I am. I've let that go. But I'm not working with that guy again. Is that the love of God? Is that how God has forgiven you? Say, oh, 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 Strider, there's, there's consequences for our actions. Yes, there are. You know what the consequences for your sin is? The cross of Jesus Christ. That's the consequences for sin. He paid for all of it. And he calls us alongside himself to serve. So love bears all things. Not most things. Not things up until a certain point, And then certainly we're not bearing that. No, love bears all things. And love believes all things. Not only does he call us alongside himself in bearing with our sin, with our rebellion, with our faithlessness, But he believes all things. He believes and hopes all things. He believes and hopes that we're going to become like him. That as he loves us, that's going to change us. 
He believes that we're going to be sons and daughters of righteousness, that we're going to be his children, that we're going to be co-laborers in Christ Jesus, that we're going to be heirs of his kingdom. He believes this. He hopes this. And he will endure all things to see this happen. He endured the cross and he endures all the evil in the world today. You know, you and I, I think we we secretly hope that, that God doesn't really see into the bottom of our hearts and into the back of our minds to know all the evil things that we think about every day. Surely, he couldn't still love me if he knew all the things that I thought about even today. And yet, he knows all the things and all the actions, not only all the thoughts of what people do, but all the actions that they do to each other around the world. He carries all of that and he endures it. You know, somebody starts unloading their heart to me and telling me stuff and I'm like, oh, dude, I can't hear this. And God knows. He knows it all. He can bear it all. He can endure it all. Because he believes and he hopes that change is coming. That through patience and kindness, love is going to triumph over evil. Not manipulation, not power, but love is going to triumph. Love is going to conquer. This is the way of the cross. And this is the first fruit of the Spirit. It's described as love. So let your love grow. Let it take over your heart and your mind and your very soul. Let it control all of your actions. And as you bear all things, believe all things and hope all things, may God give you grace to endure all things. And may you see his kingdom come in a powerful way. I believe that if we endure, we will see it. We will see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of love will come and trample into the ground the kingdom of fear and hate and manipulation and self-centeredness. God, do that in me today and give me the strength to bear that love to a lost and dying world. Amen. This has been Meditations from Middle Earth. May God be your ever-present teacher and richly bless you on your journey.